by Rebecca Spencer. from almost the halfway line. Welcome to N17 Women. This is the one and only Spurs Women, aka North London is Lily White podcast. I'm your host for today, Rachel, and I am here with Abby, Caroline and Sean. And screw it, we are going to get to the game and Spurs' first historic win over Arsenal a win that's not only suffused Spurs in optimism, but it's also dented Arsenal's title challengers as they drop down to third in the table pre-break. But before we dig into how that all unfurled, let's just start with mood. I know that I have been pretty much floating through life with a permanent grin on my face, smugly chatting to colleagues who support Arsenal. What about you? How have the last two and a half days been since that final whistle went? I mean, it was pretty good, wasn't it? We uh, had a little bit of a party in the stadium, almost like the men have, you know, with the the same music and things. Uh, So that was fun. And the Arsenal fans were very quick to leave. Players weren't given so much access to us, which was a little bit of a shame. Would have liked to have celebrated with them a little bit more. Yeah, no, just a really great, you know, and every now and then you just think, we did it. We beat them. Uh, we weren't quite anticipating doing it at this point in our history. And given where we are at the moment, I kind of think we had no business winning that game at the weekend, given that three of our starting midfielders were out, given that our goalkeeper was playing her first ever WSL game, given that they had beaten Chelsea the weekend before and were flying high. We had no business winning that game, but we did. And man, it's a good feeling. You could also say that Arsenal had no business losing that game on the flip side. Um, But I'm glad they did because you know what? This result, I think, was long overdue. And um, we were just talking with a friend of the pod about how this is really good for the rivalry, you know, building the rivalry up on the women's side. So shout out to Emily for that thought. Yeah. And shout out to Emily in general, because I have to say, so you guys know this, but the listeners don't. I am actually staying with frenemy of the pod, uh, Emily, who is an Arsenal fan right now. I'm recording this in her living room uh, and she's laughing at me in the background. But we were like, maybe we should get up and watch the game together at seven. But because of like the lead up to it with us losing those games, conceding all those goals and Arsenal flying so high. And I'd like traveled the day before we were like, oh, we'll sleep in. Okay. And then like kind of just as we were waking up, we were waking up to see that Spurs had scored and we're hanging on for the win. And so I have been having the best time ever. It has been really great. I had an Arsenal fan edit Barbara's Wikipedia page for me. And I think that was a real win. So flying high, keep remembering like some of the funnier things about the game, like the fact that it was our first clean sheet. I don't know. It's just great. Everything's so great. It was so funny too. It is. It's just fantastic. Everything's good. And then I think back and even if you include Wednesday's game, we have not been behind to Arsenal across two games. So, you know, (laughs) even the three all draw, we were always ahead. And so this was just a continuation of that. Like, it's great. I wonder, have you been checking out post-game reactions online or from other things? Is there anything that really got your emotions or made you laugh? Even if it was from an Arsenal supporter, feeling miserable, you know, (laughs) what have you been seeing out there? Well, I will say the one that kind of made me get a little emotional was seeing Jenna Scalacci tweeting about the game. Just because, you know, she's someone who's been there for the journey that the team has been through to get to this level. So I was really happy for her that she got to be there and experience that. And it, it really does put in perspective what a, a rapid improvement we've been making over the last few seasons. So yeah, that was a good one. Yeah. And for me, I got a couple because like, as you guys know, I'm just always on all, like all of the apps online. And in particular, I think the one that got me is like, so Spurs women have like very little presence among like, soccer stands on TikTok. It's all Arsenal and United. And they're all like, you know, they're like young people primarily making content about these teams and how much they love all the players. And after this game, I actually saw a bunch of Spurs women stands and it made me so happy. There were like pictures inside the stadium from going to the game and like calling the stadium home and just like making all these edits about like Spurs beating Arsenal memes. 
And that's something that we really haven't had before. And so like seeing that young fan content just being generated so much has made me so happy. Um, so if any of you are listening, shout out. I love it. I hope I keep seeing it. Yeah, it's great seeing all the pictures, wasn't it, from the game that you didn't take in at the time. All the And the post-match huddle and Ash looking like who has been around for a long time as well and kind of understands that process really looking happy and Molly and, you know, just the people that really got it kicked, uh, players who really understand what it means for us as fans as well. And all that kind of reaction has been great. And seeing the men's team getting in on the action and commenting on what's going on as well is nice to see. And Ange was about 10 seats away from me at the game. A little bit of a wall in the way, which was a shame, but he was there and uh, it was great to see him enjoying the game. Of course, he disappeared straight on the final whistle (laughs) while we were all doing other things. But yeah, great to see. And Daniel Levy was there and, and Donna was there. So Lots of important people were there and lots of great reaction to the game. And now we just got to build on it. That's my key point. We can't just leave it there. We've got to use this opportunity to say, look at what we can do and get more people into the stadium. So just hoping that a few things around fixtures for post break start to come out. We need that FA Cup fixture to be confirmed and we need some tickets to go on sale and things like that so that we can really build up that crowd and get people to Brisbane Road and really push on. You touched on something I was about to get to, Sean. So let's just sort of build on that, which is that Andrew's at the game. And as far as I'm aware, it's the first time we've had a manager of the men's team at a women's WSL game. Probably not surprising, given that Conte and Mourinho are not the most feminist of managers. We've also seen a few of the men's team players comment on social media. Like big ones were obviously on Instagram. James Madison was tagging Selena Martha for the goal. Vicario was reposting Barra's player of the match image. Son likes the women's team post with a full-time score. There's probably others that I didn't notice. I wonder, is this a sign? Are we finally getting to that sort of one club identity that's been talked about, but hasn't previously been very apparent? Are we optimistic? I mean, yeah, it's a good start, isn't it? It's a way to go. And I think part of that is the players that we've got in the men's team now are much more open to, uh, you know, broader ideas and not just focused on what they're doing and one club mentalities. And also the club has started to mix. So we saw Sonny and Kit together before the game. And that kind of thing can only help if they actually get to know each other as people a little bit as well. And it's not just about what they have to do for the club, but it's actually about cool connections between between people. So, yeah, it's a good start and we just need to keep on down that road. Yeah. The one thing I didn't love was certain news outlets focusing solely on the fact that Ange Postacoglu was at the match. <laughs> sort of this perception from certain less evolved parts of our fan base, shall we say, implying that that was the only reason this match was relevant. Uh, We don't need that attitude in our fan base, frankly. So that was really annoying to see. But I do think it's great that, you know, overall the club is really becoming more inclusive. And you see that with the, the two teams sort of mingling more now and really getting behind each other so I think that can only be a positive going forward yeah I think like it's interesting because I started I felt like this isn't even necessarily about Spurs women for me but it was like really frustrating for like basically the last five years to see the club in general talking so much about Spurs identity and then consistently going against it with hiring Mourinho and Conte and I felt like that was a real like cognitive dissonance for me, like in the entire way the club was operating. And then like bringing it back to the women, like Levy just like going around talking about how, you know, the market wasn't there and he didn't want to invest in like in all this stuff. And like basically the opposite of like being bold and doing daring to do and all that. And so like for me, after years of that, like it's going to take more than just like a few good months to like show me that it's really meaningful progress. But this is actually the first time that I feel like everybody's on the same page and meaningfully working towards that idea of this like club identity. And like, I mean, the cynical, but I, I don't mean this in a negative way at all. The cynical take on it is they hired new media people or like new club culture people or whatever, and like are making a consistent effort towards that and putting money into it. But if like, that's what it takes, like the outcomes are good. So like, yeah, let's, let's do it. Like, let's keep seeing it. I think you couldn't have wished for better results to make good on all like the work that seems to have gone into that these last months. So like, yeah, great start. And kind of related to that, something that I really appreciated from Robert Villaham is that basically in every interview, he makes a point to basically call out the club and say, this this is the level that we really need to be seeing the women's team supported. They need to be playing more games in the main stadium. They need the fans to come out and support every single game. And he's, you know, 
basically framing it as this is what they deserve as top professionals, the same as we give that effort to the men's team, the women's team deserves it too. So I I just love that he continually makes a point to say that and to really put a little bit of pressure on the club from the inside to to keep on that path and not backslide as we have sometimes seen. I mean, I think at the, at the fan forum, he, he actually made a point of saying we need to focus on Brisbane Road and not the stadium. And I agree with him on that. We need to make Brisbane Road the, the place to begin with. And we need to be getting that sold out before we too worried about the stadium. But on this occasion, it worked. We had... We only had 15,000 sold on the Tuesday night somewhere in that region. And by the Saturday, we had 20,000 tickets gone. I know there was some freebies given away and things, but still, that's a pretty big increase over the course of um, a few days. So that was really great. And we've all, we know that the business has already been done. Robert's been saying January transfer business has already been done. So I think he is getting a lot of backing from the club because if he's happy with the business that's happened and it's already happened, then that's the backing that he needs from the club. So I think we need to give props to the club who... And if just simply looking at the Tottenham Hotspur experience, it was a lot better than last time we had a game at the stadium. And they know that there's more that they need to do, but there's more groundwork they need to put in in terms of stock and that kind of thing ahead of the next time it happens. And also we've had a real tough season in terms of fixtures. We're playing at home the same weekend as the men a lot, which makes it difficult getting into the main stadium and those kind of fixtures. So there's a lot going on, but I do think this is a good stepping off point from so many different aspects in terms of performance on the pitch, the preparation behind it. Now we just need to actually see some marketing of Brisbane Road at those games. But we're getting there. We're pushing them and they, and there are people at the club who are helping and are, are pushing as well. So progress is definitely good. I think it's like we say, it's really good that Robert Villaham has absolutely picked up and says he was hired because he buys into the sort of to dare is to do club culture. And I also think one of the things that's quite funny is he has to consistently and repeatedly resist when people say, are you playing Ange ball? Are you doing what Postacoglu is doing? And just assert that what he's doing is fits with the identity of the club and is what he wants to do. And we've definitely seen that. And I think that's really good. We could sit here and just chat about how amazing it feels to have beaten Arsenal. And you know what? We've got four weeks to just reflect on that because we have no other games for another four weeks. But I guess we should think about the game itself. So let us go to the game. And I think I haven't even said yet what the score was. We won 1-0 in case any of you didn't notice. And I guess to start with, we should eat some humble pie because in our last pod, we all predicted that Spurs would score, but we all thought Arsenal would still win. And that clearly was not what happened. I'm just going to put for mitigation that we were cowed by having made quite optimistic predictions for the games against City and United. And those came back to bind us sorely. And I think we were just really happy to be wrong on this occasion. And in some ways, that whole trajectory of terrible defeats coming back to us our hard-fought draw and then getting that win it makes the story better anyway doesn't it so all was good in the end and let's start with thinking about the lineup I guess perhaps a bit surprisingly Robert retains pretty much all of the team that had drawn against Arsenal midweek in the Conti Cup he made one change and that meant that we saw Barra Votikova starting for her first WSL game a back line of Ash, Molly, Luana and Angered a midfield of Grace, Kit, Ramona and Celine, and a front with Martha at 10. And this was the only change from the midweek game, Beth coming in for Jess, who had had a great game. But obviously it was really nice to get Beth back as our captain to bring that energy and to bring her scoring threat. And I think Robert said afterwards it was always the plan that she would essentially play one half and then Jess come in on the second half. In contrast, Arsenal changed nine players from the Conti Cup squad, going back pretty much to the team that had managed to beat Chelsea quite easily 3-1. The only difference was that Manham was in for Kim with Little. There wasn't a lot of information about why Little was out, but that was really the only change. So how did you feel about the starting lineup? And when you had seen both of these, how optimistic were you feeling? I mean, I, I was surprised by keeping the keeper, particularly after reading the Athletic article during the week that suggested that Robert was planning on keeping with Becky as his number one and didn't want to upset her by chain. But I guess Barra coming in and giving a good performance midweek gave him an opportunity to do that after giving Becky a, a second chance and, and again, not having been her best performance. But I was still surprised to see Barra, but obviously pleased by the end of the game. And yeah, interesting to see that that experiment with Kit and Ramona was remaining 
because it was the first time that we'd seen them together. And as we said last week, it was Arsenal's second string team, essentially, that we played in midweek. So you have to take that into consideration. But I guess Robert was thinking, well, he said, didn't he, after the game, that that was the preparation for the weekend's game. So it made sense in a way that he kept the same team. And yeah, after midweek um, success, not too worried, but I've still pretty. I was still going around telling anybody who listened that we were going to lose and that we were going to lose probably big. But sometimes I think a little bit of uh, playing it down helps, and it certainly seems to be the case on this occasion. Well, I just have to say, I actually wasn't on the pod last week, so I did not predict that we were going to lose. And in fact, maybe I wouldn't have. Who could say? I feel like every other <laughs> prediction I do is either like really optimistic or really tragic. But no, I definitely thought this was going to be one of the more tragic ones. Obviously, I already even said that. But like, come on. Even like the game before, a Kate Graham, Ramona Petzelberger double pivot is so funny to me. Like, I just kept thinking after that 3-3 game, like, oh man, imagine what we could do with our starting team and our starting midfield. Like, what a travesty this is that we never got to see it. And so, yeah, when I saw the lineup again, that's what I was thinking, basically, and uh, yeah, they sure showed me. Well, and realistically, we're so thin in the midfield right now with injuries that this was kind of the only midfield he could put out because, I mean, we've got Rhea Percival, but we kind of feel like at this point she's not a full 90 player, which is fine. You know, she makes a big impact when she comes on as a sub, which I think is great. But it felt like this was the strongest available team that we had. The problem was that Arsenal, <laughs> you know, also had pretty close to their strongest available team. And and then you have to worry about the subs that they're able to bring on. So, yeah, like I wasn't feeling terribly optimistic uh, when I saw the lineups come out. But at the same time, you always have hope, especially with it being a game at the big stadium. You know, maybe the crowd can provide that extra boost. And the result midweek had been kind of surprising. So it's kind of like, well, I don't know, maybe anything can happen. But honestly, they performed better than I could have even hoped for. So, Yeah. And to be clear, the thing that I think is funny about those two players in midfield is not that they're like bad players or anything. It's that we most frequently see them in number 10 role. And maybe you guys talked about that last week, but I didn't. So I just have to register how funny I think that is. No, it's absolutely crazy. It's not just that we usually see them as a num- as number 10s or um, Ramona Petzelberger occasionally on the wing, but Ramona Petzelberger has now played more minutes against Arsenal than against every other team put together. The only game that she came on as a sub for in WSL 22-23 was Arsenal. And then she's played a few minutes against Man United. The other teams added together, she's played about 50 minutes and another like 90 in the Conti or something. She's played about 200 minutes against Arsenal. So I think she could just be like our North London derby specialist. But yeah, anyway. And, and she was incredible. If you look at her stats, 85.7% pass accuracy. I mean, she quite very quietly went about her business very well. 24 out of 28 passes completed. I mean, she's, she's not a big showy player, but heck, she made an impact. Yeah, actually, the whole time she was out, she was just retraining as a DM. That's what was going on. It's so funny. I mean, we're going to get to talking about both her and Kit later in a bit more detail, because I think it's really interesting, their trajectory. So let's hold some of those thoughts and come back to them. Let's, thinking about the first half, Arsenal started strong in all meanings of the word, seeing a lot of the ball and they had a decent chance from Caitlin Ford, whose shot rebounded off the post. They also, though, racked up 11 fouls in the first half to Spurs four. And there was quite a few that weren't called. So I think this was sort of ironic. I just want to highlight it because in previous seasons, Jonas Eidevel has made a big old show and dance about how Spurs are physical and how they foul a lot. And that's, you know, when his team won, he said football was the victor. So just like highlighting that, we can go past it now that I have. Although I would note that there was a pretty brutal off the ball body check from McCabe on Neville. And given that she was already under spotlight because of a bad foul that went unnoticed in the Chelsea game, and also in the sort of racialized differences in the ways that she and Lauren James get treated when they have these petulant fouls, I'm just going to say she has an invisibility cloak. That's the only reason I can come up with why she doesn't get called on this stuff. Can I add here, you know, you were asking about funny reactions after the game from Arsenal fans. And the funniest one I saw was a tweet expressing sympathy for Katie McCabe because she looked disappointed after the game. And 
they the, the exact word they used was oh pookie and i'm like can we really call a woman this physical on the pitch pookie this is ridiculous so i just think you know for arsenal fans to call us a physical team when they have that player and their squad is ridiculous like let's be real yeah and we are still second only to chelsea in terms of fewest yellow cards so we are not a physical team anymore that was the rian era but perhaps result of the physicality of the start of the game, but perhaps just because she seems to have been struggling with injury for a few games. Luana got injured. She obviously needed to come off quite early, hoping whatever has happened to her isn't serious and she'll be able to recover over the break. But it was clear that she couldn't continue. And Amy Turner came on in the 19th minute to replace her. Spurs probably had one decent chance across the entire half. And that was in the seventh minute after Kit won the ball, passed to Martha, who put Beth through. But it was a little far out wide and Beth's shot was pretty easily saved. There were a few other bright spots. I have to give credit to both Celine and Grace who dribbled at and through Arsenal's players, often with ease. But none of it really amounted to much. As the half ended, Barra was forced into a really excellent diving save to keep Manham out. And she caught very high to deny Pullover all of which meant that we made it to the interval without conceding and the score was nil-nil. How did you feel at that point at the halftime break? What did you make of the first half in general? I think I'm always a bit worried at halftime just because it's the second half that usually catches us out in these games. And it was great to be nil-nil. But you do kind of, I think I was sat there saying, if we're still at nil-nil at 60 minutes, then maybe we can start getting excited because that would be great. But we know regularly that that it's just, um, particularly on the big pitch of the stadium, it's all about fitness and energy and those big clubs coming back at us. So I never get too excited at halftime in one of these games just from uh, experience. Little did we know it would be 1-0 to Spurs at 60 minutes in this game. Normally I would agree with you, Sean, but I actually was feeling very heartened by the defensive performance that I had seen so far. It really felt like we had learned some lessons from that cup game midweek, um, even though obviously this was almost entirely a different Arsenal team, but they were posing some of the same problems. And I just felt like we were looking so much more solid in defense, actually calm. So, yeah, I was feeling even if we we weren't able to find a goal, perhaps we could at least keep it scoreless and pull off another draw. Yeah, so I had just woken up basically shortly after the second half started. And (laughs) I was immediately like, oh, God, I have to go back to sleep. I'm going to ruin everything. Yeah, no, I was definitely feeling happy that we hadn't conceded that kind of that it has that mood, isn't it? Of like nervous and anxious, but also you, we've got to half time. Let's keep going. As noted earlier, Jess came on for Beth at half time, probably because Beth isn't back to full fitness, but also because Jess had had a really strong game on Wednesday. And it was interesting in her post-match interview, Beth commented that she thought Arsenal were very worried about Jess's runs because that is how she had scored two of both of her goals and had continued to be a threat on the Wednesday game. And so that probably meant they were wary about pushing too many players forward. And almost as soon as she came on, Jess looked a threat. There was a couple of very marginal offside calls, which I thought were actually more offside than when I looked at them back on the replay. And I was like, oh, those could actually have been close calls if there was VAR, but there wasn't, so such is life. She would have been through on goal on, in some of those cases. So I was just going to say also, it did look like that Beth had an eye injury. And I know they said she was that it was planned, but it did look like she had, there was some swelling on one of her eyes and she couldn't see very well out of it. So that may also have had an impact on why she came off at half time. Okay, well, hopefully her eye is going to recover and her hip is going to keep recovering and her fitness is going to build and she's going to be ready to score all those goals come January. But in this half, Arsenal did continue to have a lot of the ball. We saw shots off target. We saw Rousseau misplacing headers, Spurs defending and Barra continuing to save. And then we saw the goal. I came definitely against the run of play in the 58th minute. It was the end of a 13 pass move, which started from a goal kick. The final passes in this sequence involved Barra passing to Kit, who passed out to Ash on the left made a one-touch pass up the wing to Grace. She moved inwards, spotted Martha in the centre. Martha passed it up the field to Celine on the right. Celine dribbled towards the goal. She kind of looked like she fancied a shot. And meanwhile, Jess ran across her, pulling her marker Lotta Wubin-Moy to the right of the goal and leaving space for Martha Thomas to slide into 
Celine's no-look pass across the goal and the ball went to the left of the standing Manu Zinsberger. Spurs are getting a lot of love for this goal. Barcelona-like, I've heard it called. Meanwhile, Arsenal are blaming their keeper and or players for letting it happen. What's your thoughts? I mean, I think both. It was a great goal. I love that also we had very clearly been trying to do basically that a few times before it actually came off. Like I definitely, like when I was watching it back, I was like, oh, here we go. It's time for the goal. And then it was like, not, it was like a different sequence that looked almost exactly the same. Uh, So that was really awesome. And just great work by everyone involved. Really, really great passing and great running, especially by Jess. That was a brilliant run and just really sharp, really good thinking. I will never get over how funny it is to watch Martha Thomas get on the ball twice throughout that sequence. And the whole time she's sprinting down the middle of the pitch unmarked. It's like, it's so funny. I like cannot believe that nobody picked her up. It is like, like right at the end, you see someone step to her, but she's literally running for like 50 yards and nobody is looking at her. She gets on the ball twice. She like had the pre-assist as well. It's so bad, but also it was a great goal. So I think both things are true. I think if any Arsenal player has to take the most blame, it is probably Zinsberger because she was completely frozen. And it's not like Martha got the cleanest shot off, you know, because she was under pressure in that final second. So I think that perhaps if Zinsberger had been a little more alert, that goal doesn't happen. Uh, But thank God it did. I also, you know, I think everyone has kind of pointed out how important Jess's decoy run was to the goal. And it reminded me so much of when Celine scored that solo goal a few games back. And honestly, I was expecting her to shoot in this situation again, but I thought that was very smart of her to square the ball instead um, because Martha had the clearer shot. So I I don't think I've ever celebrated a Spurs women goal this hard. (laughs) Like I was just thrilled, not, not just because of the timing of it, obviously us scoring first, but also just the quality of it, like to score such an amazing goal in a huge game like this. It really felt like a we have arrived kind of moment. Well, Robert posted on social media, didn't he? Sort of, you know, Alexa, show me how Spurs women want to score goals. You know, this is what they've been working towards. I would also like to give a big shout out to Ash for that first touch chip over the Arsenal player straight to her teammate. I mean, that was a great ball to get the move really started. And then, as we've said, Jess's decoy run, she had three Arsenal players taken out of the game because they were worried about her, which again, I guess is what Beth was saying as well. They're they were worried about her from midweek and that continued. And then Martha's composure just to straight away stick it in the back of the net because there was a player right on top of her. And if she'd taken any more time, that wouldn't have happened. So just all in all, everything just happened as it needed to happen. And just, yeah, watching Zinsberger just sort of standing there, not knowing what to do was just uh, just the icing on the cake, really beautiful moment. Uh, I just want to shout out Celine as well, just because the thing that she did passing in that moment is certainly something like she herself said that they were working on in training after she scored that one goal where she dribbled the full length of the pitch and like passing is not her, like she's definitely a dribbler, not a passer. Like obviously she can pass, but it's not her strongest suit. And so seeing her do that under a bit of pressure, I know Martha was unmarked, but Celine had everybody on her. It was just really great to see. And so I'm happy to see that whatever she's working on in training seems to be paying off. Yeah, I mean, we could shout out everybody. It was Farah who found Kit. Kit, who is playing in this new position and didn't make the simple pass back to Molly, but passed it out wide to Ash. Ash, who, as Sean already said, you know, chipped it over to find Grace. Grace switched direction very quickly to find Martha. Martha, you know, Martha doing that and then running. Celine, every single player in this was just doing something. And like you said, Abby, it's the fact that they practiced it, but it's also that they were doing it and executing it really well. I feel like this is where we have to give, you know, a lot of credit to Robert as well, because I think it was Ash in a recent interview was talking about how just the clarity of his tactics and everybody understanding their role has been really important to them sort of developing into this new style. And Kit being in a brand new position kind of speaks to that. It's not like rocket science trying to figure out this new role because they understand what's expected of them. And we've seen a lot of players this season have played in different positions at times. So I think that just reflects really well on the coaching. Enough of the positivity. I was just going to chip in on the negativity about Linsberger only because I went to this game with a friend who the last Spurs game she's come to with me was when we drew one all with Arsenal 
at the hive so she's basically my good luck charm i'm just going to bring her to all north london derbies she is not a spurs or an arsenal fan but nonetheless the other game that i went to with her was germany austria in the euros so when zinsberger came on the pitch i was like you remember her don't you you remember her from when pop absolutely destroyed her in that game so she wasn't expecting good things from her and she just was like i cannot believe that keeper i cannot believe that keeper i could have scored that goal Probably not. Obviously, Zinsberger was looking for Celine to score and the positioning was part of that. I don't think it was all her, but it was interesting that, you know, there was a later point as well, wasn't there, where Jess nearly stole the ball off her and something could have been made of it. So she didn't always look the most solid, as most of Arsenal keepers haven't this season. Nonetheless, there was still a long way to run in the game. I guess we can sum it up as more of the same. Arsenal with the ball, not able to do much with it, or Barra and Spurs doing everything to keep their shots out. We had a few other substitutes. The first was on 85 minutes when Rhea Percival came on for Martha Thomas. Rhea went into Martha's position at number 10. I think the logic was probably not to disrupt anything else, but it certainly seems from the last few games like Robert is using Rhea's versatility to bring her on in a number of positions. We've seen her playing deep midfield, playing at right back and now at number 10. So pretty much Rhea comes on wherever you have a gap, um, which is proper like utility player um, at the kind of most extreme, I guess. The final substitute came well into injury time. It looked like Celine was perhaps minorly injured, although she was jumping around post-game, so I don't think it was serious. And she was replaced by Roz on the 95th minute. And meanwhile, Arsenal brought on more and more and more attacking firepower, with Miedemar, Blackstenius, Cooney Cross and Lacasse all off the bench. None of them really made much of a difference. And then in the dying moments, there was the most kind of ridiculous moment and almost a second goal for Spurs. Arsenal had been throwing everything at it to try and equalise. They had a corner in the 101st minute, for which everyone, including the keeper, went up. Kit headed it away. Jess won it, took it most of the way up the pitch before passing through to Roz, who was probably offside, but there wasn't actually a flag, probably because the lines person hadn't got back by then. Zinsberger was still running back. Roz was faced with an empty goal. And in perhaps the most archetypal of Ros moves, instead of shooting from 30 yards, she took the ball all the way into the area and allowed Chloe Lacasse to catch and tackle her. And that was it. The ref blew for full time. None of it mattered because we had won. So how did you feel in the final part of the game as we saw out the kind of half hour plus 11 excruciating minutes of stoppage time after we'd scored? There was a lot of looking at your watch. Um, I think we were regularly kind of, when the goal went in, we were like, oh, only half an hour to keep this as is. Considering where we were at and our history with Arsenal, it didn't feel quite as nervy as it has done in the past for most of that. I think towards the end, it got a little bit more so when we were kind of desperate for the whistle to be blown. And uh, when Roz was the one that came onto the ball, I think we all knew that wasn't going in the back of the net just because what's more Roz than not scoring in that moment. Uh, And so it was like, of course she didn't score. But we didn't we didn't matter it didn't matter it was 1-0 we'd won yeah just finally the whistle blew at that point and we could all celebrate i mean there was Martha Thomas not watching corners uh to, right at the end there because she didn't want <laughs> she didn't want to see what was going on and Beth kind of looking after her in that moment so yeah i think everybody at that point was uh, just unbelieving and at the same time it, it just felt like a this is going to happen moment this is this is where we do it moment uh, I feel bad for Roz because in all of the, you know, videos that fans took of waiting for the final whistle, the last thing you see before the whistle is her being tackled. <laughs> and we do have to give a little bit of credit to Chloe Lacoste for that tackle, I believe, because this is not a defender. That was really, I think, admirable commitment from her to to get back and make that tackle. Sorry for praising an Arsenal player. <laughs> Ew. But yeah, the stoppage time felt interminable. I'm sure it was even worse for y'all in the stadium, but I know I had to get up and literally pace because I just, I couldn't handle it. And when the final whistle blew, it was, I did cry a little bit, but I also just was so relieved. I was like lying in bed, like refreshing, refreshing, refreshing. So I was like, I literally can't turn this on right now. I will ruin it. And I was like waiting for it to happen. But yeah, because of that, I actually didn't see the Roz miss live. And so I only heard people talking about it for like, until I was able to actually watch the game. And the whole time I'm like, of course, I'm seeing people who like don't watch Spurs women week in, week out, like talking about it. 
And I'm like, oh, come on. Like, if you guys watch, you know that she just does that like all the time. And then I actually saw it and I was like, oh no, that was so much worse than I was expecting. I thought it was just like your average Rosella miss, but uh, I guess she decided to level up for this game. But I also thought that she maybe didn't know the keeper wasn't back somehow like I don't think she looked around and I also think she wasn't off sides because I'm pretty sure we played it in our own half like the ball out to her because I was like watching that as well but I can't remember if that was the previous play or that one but anyway yeah that was like the most Rosella thing to ever happen so you know I I feel the fitting but like you know it ends with hilarity because you know we were so stressed and that like the final moment should be something so ridiculous (laughs) I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I often do the thing of like, probably about 95 minutes, I was like, okay, they probably can only equalize now. I don't think they're going to win. I don't think they're going to get two. And then you like, you need to get all the way to the end to have that feeling that we're actually safe. Um, Yeah, when you're like counting down the minutes and like dividing the number of goals needed by like the minutes, that's when you know that it's, it's dire. But yeah, like, I might have thought that I was actually dreaming about the result if that hadn't happened. So, you know, it was probably good. Okay, so, like, thing to address about this game, and I think, Caroline, you already brought it up earlier. This is our first clean sheet this season. So are these the signs that we've resolved our defensive issues or are Arsenal just super rubbish? Well, I don't think Arsenal are rubbish. I mean, objectively, they have one of the strongest squads in the league. They they couldn't finish on this day, you know, their shooting was woeful. And I think it was Alessia Russo had so many headers that went over the bar. So they're going to be really frustrated with their own performance, I think. But at the same time, I feel like, like I said, we kind of did take some some learnings from that midweek game. Um, we were defending crosses so much better. Barbara being in goal kind of helped as well with that because of her height. And just every player was so committed. Like that's the thing that I took away the most was everybody was fully committed to getting this result because we had players who like, I'll be honest, I do not normally praise like Amy Turner and grad James. I mean, they were just on fire and I I can't find any fault with them in this game. Honestly, like they were superb. And especially for Amy having to come in, you know, she was not expecting perhaps to play at all. And that is kind of a, a frustration that Luana, you know, keeps having these injury issues, but yeah, major kudos to Amy for filling in so well. Yeah, I, th- I don't think we can say after one game we've solved our defensive issues. Um, I wish we could, but it shows what we can do and what we can achieve when when we all put our minds to it and when everybody's playing their best. So it's a good, uh, as I've said multiple times already, it's a good starting place, isn't it? It's a great thing to see. And now we've got to push on and keep doing it week in, week out. But I do think uh, Robert's got a few headaches now when everybody's fully fit. Yeah, I know I said after like some of the heavier losses that I think especially after the 7 nothing, I was thinking that I wanted to see what Wilhelm's response to that would be. Like I wanted to see him actually do something about it, like even though obviously we know he's going to stick to his attacking guns. And I felt like this game for me was at least a step in the right direction. I think that like I do think we really saw our defense doing something different, which was great. I do also think there was some luck because I just have this one image in my mind. And like, I do think Amy Turner played well today. There was this one time where there was sort of like a ball into like Monum, I think it was. It was pretty early on. It was like a loose ball. It was equidistant between them. And you just see Amy Turner running full speed and then Monum also running full speed but it's like so much faster and like she had an open chance there and she just blasted it way over and in that moment I was like if I had been watching this live I think I would have like shat my pants like it was so scary so there were like there were a couple moments like that looking back where I was like we probably like got really lucky here but I do also think we saw the team defending the, the box really really well much better than in the past and I feel like that's enough for me to say we're at least on the right trajectory yeah you did see them quite compact at times and there was a lot of man marking going on at where they were tracking players and it felt like that was slightly different from what we'd seen and especially in that city game so hey maybe it's the start of the new times even if not entirely there yet what about Barbara Votikova then we've got to talk about her 
as we've already said, this was her first ever WSL game. It was only her fourth game for Spurs, and two of those others had come against really weak opposition. In the last pod, I was very high on her because I'd seen her up close midweek in the Conti Cup, and she had that big energy that is just really fun. I think it's fair to say that after her first WSL game and second against Arsenal in a week, pretty much all of us love her. Am I overstating? No, I don't think so. I think, uh, well, I mean, we're just in love with all of those players right now at the moment, aren't we? The the full um, 11 plus additional players who came in because they all did what they needed to do. But yeah, for a, a player to come in for her first league game, having sat on the bench for a little while and she did fantastically. And we know the kind of history that she brings with her and those kind of possible confidence issues, but it doesn't look like that's going to be a problem for her. Um, She, you know, she really came in and made that goal her that you know that goal her own and got player of the match and as was having fun on socials as she always seems to do. So yeah, great, great performance. I mean it's nice to see our own keeper do something like this for once in our lives. Like I feel like it's such a bit being like, oh, the backup keeper is in and they're standing on their head to get every goal out. How is this happening to us? And like for once for once our keeper does this. And I thought that was great. But it was like a fittingly like big stage for her. I think like, look, this is a person who had a clothing line with her ex-girlfriend who is also named Barbara. Like she does big things and coming into her first league start and getting our first clean sheet of the season against Arsenal 100% fits the bill. Love her. Well, she just seems to have that fearlessness that you want to see in a goalkeeper. I, I just love her energy, you know, on and off the pitch and in terms of her actual performance, I feel like the fact that she was a key part of our goal buildup says a lot. Because I was, you know, like I said last week, kind of the concern that I had going into into that game with her starting is, can she be as good of a distributor as we know Becky to be? And I think she's shown pretty positive signs in that regard. So yeah, shout out to Barbara's mom also. What? Did, oh, because she shouted her out. Yeah, we should all say hi to her. Hi to Barbara's mom. If you're listening to the podcast, I don't know how much English you speak, but... We love her. Your daughter's great. Very happy she's at Spurs. Um, We already discussed Kit playing deep in the last podcast and we did already today a little bit. But since last podcast, we had a little bit of a backstory, which came from The Athletic, who went behind the scenes at Spurs for a week. And it's an amazing article. If you haven't read it already, you really should. But while they were there, Robert actually had the meeting with Kit to discuss her potentially playing this role because he thought she was one of the technically strongest players. But it might also be that, you know, she hasn't had the best games at 10. She hasn't always had a lot of the ball. And we've got a lot of other players who play in that position. So what do you think? How well is Kit doing at the base of midfield? And I'm just going to kick this off by saying I cannot believe how many times it was her who headed the ball away. She is a freaking monster at that. And who knew? She must be one of our shortest players. And yeah, always winning these defensive headers. I mean, I knew she could jump up in the air because there's one picture of her doing it in a celebration with like her ponytail going straight up. I don't know if you guys have seen that. So like maybe, maybe now I'm just picturing Billaham like scrolling through her Instagram being like, oh, she's got ups. Like, this is great. Let's get her in the box. But I really like, I yeah, I've been really impressed with that. And the fact that she's able to use her passing to that effect has been really impressive to me as well. But yeah, I do think it is a little funny. It's like, who knew all, like the whole solution to our problems, getting the ball in the air, the box were due to like, you know, five foot one Kit Graham. That celebration photo is iconic, honestly. I love that one. But yeah, it is it is kind of incredible, her like gravity defying header range. <laughs> but we've known that Kit is one of our most creative players. And I think it actually has benefited us in these last couple of games to have a little bit of that creativity further back in the pitch. Because it it felt like in the games that we've we've not had Olga, we've kind of struggled to link up the entire squad. So I think it's good that she she takes risks with her passes and not all of them came off in this game and also in the cup game as well. But I appreciate that she's trying them and when they do come off you know, we have some really exciting attacking opportunities. So I'm, I'm definitely curious to see more of her in this role because I feel like the, the 10 was not quite gelling with her this season. 
So perhaps this is a good solution to get her onto the pitch more often, at the very least, until we get those injured players back. Yeah, her pass accuracy is, is less than Ramona's. It's 69% for that game, but she made a lot more passes. She attempted 42 passes. So that's a lot more attempts there. I mean, I think for me, first and foremost, the thing is her attitude and reading that article. I mean, obviously, they write a certain way, but, you know, from what they said, as soon as Roberts suggested it, she was, yep, yeah, no, I'm up for it. I'll give it a go. I'll do what I can. And she's gone in and and done it and she wants minutes she wants to be in that starting 11 and she's proven that she'll do what it takes to get her in there and she's been with us for a long time now and you know sometimes it does take a change of position as you move up kind of standard wise sometimes you need that and I I really hope that this is the start of something new for her as I say it's going to cause headaches for Robert when our fins are back because they've been doing exceedingly well as well for us but that's what you want you want those headaches for the manager so yeah really happy that she is the one doing that and you know a player who we've who's been around for a long time can still you know make a mark on this team yeah I think it's interesting if you look back at her statistics in the season before she was injured she was one of our most creative players but especially in terms of her progressive passing and I think what's interesting is having her in that defense's role she just has a lot more of the ball because if you're a number 10 you don't get it that often you have to do something great with it when you get it and in the role she's in now she is constantly dictating play having playing a part in that and I think she's enjoying that and I can see that's the sort of thing that she would be good at because she is technically really strong she's also strong at sort of holding off players who are coming at her and so it's going to be interesting and obviously not only Kit and Barbara but as we've all said lots of players were really excellent and definitely everybody gave it their all so I just wondered if are there other players that you especially want to pick out as having a really strong performance in this game? Thought has James had a fantastic game she put in some killer tackles and a goal line clearance so we wouldn't have had a clean sheet had it not been for her um, and, you know, just growing into that fullback role and, and really made it her own. And I also thought Celine and all that running that she did. And even at one point she was about ready to go off injured, but the ball came back to her, you know, the ball came close to her and she was back on the pitch running and taking it all the way down to the byline and almost making something happen. So I thought those two deserve a shout out for those things. I would also say Molly Bartrett for a lot of the same reasons, you know, just some incredible clearances from her as well. And also taking over the armband after Beth had to sub off early. I don't think that should go unnoticed that her leadership has been really important. So yeah, shout out to Molly. And also her post-match, you know, London is Lily White was really good. She gets it, as we say. (laughs) Okay, so we're celebrating the fact that we finally got a win against Arsenal. But what do you think that means for how we're going to be competing for the rest of the season? Where does it leave us? I feel like we can only go up from here especially knowing that after the winter break, we're very likely to have not just some of our injured players returning, but also some new additions to the squad uh, who have already been, you know, hinted towards. We don't know their identity yet. Yeah, I just feel like we're we're in a good place where it feels like everyone has started to adapt to the new system. And I think we also have a fairly favorable run of fixtures coming up, if I recall correctly. Um, you know, we've got the Rian Skinner Derby. Not long after the new year, that'll be fun. Some cup games that, you know, should be good wins for us. Then we have the Manchester City game, which is going to be, I I hope, a chance for revenge. So, yeah, I'm feeling very positive about how we're going to come out of this winter break. And it it looks like our prospect for the season overall is, is looking a lot brighter than at the beginning of the season when we weren't really sure what to expect and how quickly the players were going to adapt to the new manager and all of that. I mean, I think we have to be careful because two seasons ago we we did, you know, win some games or draw some games against the, the, the top four and we didn't then progress on and we had that really bad season last season. So my hope is that this will not be that and that we will gradually progress. And I think under Robert, we've got a very good chance of that because I think he has a way that he wants to play and he knows what that is and the players seem to have bought into it and the club seem to be have bought into it. So we it's all going in the right direction, but I'm still nervous about getting too ahead of ourselves after one result against the top four, albeit Arsenal and albeit let's enjoy it and let's have fun for the next four weeks. But we have then got a couple of easier games and then we've got Manchester City and then we've got Liverpool um, and Liverpool are proving a pretty good side this this season as well. So those are going to be huge games for us. I'm not letting myself get too excited right now. Yeah, we have to turn out against weaker sides as well. I 
found myself thinking that a couple times and hoping that would be the case. I think in terms of like comparing our November and December this year to our November and December last year, I'm hugely excited. I don't think that like all of like, I'm not saying I think we're going to come in any higher than like sixth place necessarily. Um, But in terms of all the things Villahem talks about wanting to institute and all the stuff we'd like to see about there being better processes and like a style in place. Like I think you can't deny that we have seen that. And I think like just thinking about coming through a rough period and ending it with like a win against Arsenal instead of losing to Everton and West Ham and an Ash Neville red card, which is where we were at this time last year. You can't deny we've responded better either to that. And we're three points off of our full tally of points for the season last year. So that's great news. It gives us a lot of breathing room. That's like, <laughs> that feels nice to say. Cause like in my head, I'm still like, Oh God, we're the team that almost got relegated <laughs> last year. Um, so I think it's just nice to see progress and I hope it continues. I think like one other thing that gives me a lot of positivity, is like the reporting I've been seeing that specifically mentions stuff going on inside the club needs to be better saying stuff. Like we want to be the best run club in the world. I think like, it's one thing to, you know, just say that and another to actually do that. But the fact that they seem to have identified that that was a problem is positive to me because I remember so often last year talking about what is going on with the fitness coaches and like, what are they doing? <laughs> and like this, that, and I, for me, that all fits into a part of that. Like, obviously we can never know what really happened, but yeah, I'm happy. I am optimistic. Like, I'm not saying I'm optimistic in terms of like rocketing up the table or winning every derby game for the rest of forever, but like, good. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm like, if I look back at last season, we were so miserable at this point in the season. And we also knew it was going to just get worse. And the way we bounce back is, like you say, the most impressive. And I kind of think I'd rather have an absolutely dire game where we lose 7-0 and then we beat Arsenal 1-0 than just persistently kind of being a bit rubbish. So I don't mind a little bit of up and down if it means that we're progressing towards something and we are trying to find our style and we're trying to find our way of playing. I'm here for the journey. Still here for it. Yeah. I guess elsewhere in the WSL, because we're talking about how we're doing compared to other teams, the other shock result was Liverpool beating Man United 2-1. Man United were at home and they have got a really bad home record so far this season. So, shame. (laughs) Well, they they all seem to be turning on Mark Skinner, all the fans. It's incredible. They beat us 4-0 and then they lose to Liverpool and all of a sudden Mark Skinner out is is everywhere and they're pointing out that the, the players during the injury break, all stayed in the middle of the pitch to do their huddle rather than going over to the side and talk to the manager, whereas all the uh, Liverpool players all went over to talk to Matt Beard and things. So there's a lot of trouble at Manchester United at the moment, which is not what you anticipated after last season's um, success. No, and I think that his post-match press conference where he just basically blamed the players isn't going to have helped any of that. That was a wild quote, just what he said. I He said something like, they asked him what went wrong and he goes, they headed it better than us. They kicked it better than us. The two goals are ridiculously bad from our standards. It's a desire. We weren't aggressive with the football. It was just a bad day for us. You can't concede goals like that. Like, I don't feel like that's a great thing to say as a coach. It's just like, we did everything wrong and it's all our fault, but not we, specifically the players on the field. It's like, that's a bad quote. <laughs> I also saw a pretty hilarious tweet that was, I'm paraphrasing here, but it was like, Mark Skinner thinks that his squad is not good enough, but also deserves to be in Europe. So which is it? Yeah, he's not a manager who knows how to make himself liked in his post-match press conferences. The other side of Manchester, however, continued to do well. They beat Everton 4-1, even though Everton played pretty decently, I think. And Chelsea also had a predictable 3-0 win against Bristol City with a pretty amazing Lauren James goal. Leicester and West Ham drew one all and Aston Villa beat Brighton, suggesting that their woes of the early part of the season are more or less behind them, I guess. Any other thoughts about what happened in the league? Not really, just that like, so I did for whatever reason elect to watch 60 minutes of Leicester versus West Ham 
And it was like really giving me flashbacks to playing under Rhiannon Skinner, who like, as you know, I loved for a very long time, but that was not a good game. Like Leicester and West Ham did not have a lot going on in that game. And it just like really made me think about how quickly Villaham has changed our style of play from whatever that was to whatever this is. So that's my final thought, I suppose. I would say similar thoughts about Aston Villa Brighton, which I caught the end of. And I, I, I thought to myself, man, this is not a good game. And it, it was a stark contrast to the game that we had watched ourselves play the day before. But the other takeaway from this weekend, I think, was lots of red cards. So it's going to be an interesting first FA Cup round for the WSL teams. Um, you know, some of them are going to be missing some key players. So that'll be interesting. I think also it's interesting that we're seeing a lack of consistency continuing throughout the season in terms of who's beating who and how well people are playing. Um, so I think it's, it's going to be a really interesting second half of the season. Can anybody kind of maintain some form, particularly, I think, in that kind of middle group where we see ourselves? Liverpool had a great result, but they've also, you know, had some dodgy results. So Villa started really badly. They started to come back, but it just doesn't feel like anything is quite uh, set in stone as yet, which is unusual for this point in the season. You kind of feel like you're getting a sense of those three groups in the in the WSL. I'm not sure we're there, even with the top four, as much as we normally are. Yeah, I do feel that Liverpool, I think, have, from what I've heard, continued to play well, even in some of their bad results, which I think is promising for them. But that's the only team I can really think of who's like, at least like continued to progress throughout the season maybe us but we did lose seven nothing so that does put a bit of a wrench in that thought and Liverpool well, are just this very good second half team as well like they got their they came, it was a comeback against Man United they came back against us we even last season under Matt Beard they felt like this team that was just keep going it's gonna be an interesting game when we play them in the spring and I also think it's going to be interesting to see what everyone does in the January transfer window, because it does feel like there are some teams who they've been getting good results, but if they don't improve their squad depth, that might not be sustainable. Um, so we'll see how that goes. And a perfect segue, Caroline, because I was about to ask about the January transfer window. As we've already said, Robert has said there's going to be a couple of players joining the club, at least. We know they've signed, they're waiting, we don't know who they are, we haven't got proper news on them. But I guess the thing that goes with that is that there might be some departures. And there we do know at least what the pool of possible departures is. I think there's some obvious names, but also the last couple of games have complicated it. For instance, I think I might have guessed Ramona looked like a strong possibility to leave. But now, totally upturned that. So who are you guessing Robert might send out on loan or sell in the January transfer window if he's going to make some space for new signings? Well, I mean, to some extent, it depends on who he's got coming in, so where he needs to keep cover. But I would imagine Bracey Pierce will be departing. And I have to say, as Meter Al, I think as well, may well not be with us in the second half of the season just because she's not getting game time. And when she has, it's not gone terribly well for her. Beyond that, it's difficult, isn't it? Because you've got all that, but we've got all those players coming back. But all the players that have covered them have done so well. So I guess it, uh, maybe early Brazil, depending on how much chance Robert thinks she's going to get, because while she seems to be a good player, she's got to fight Beth and uh, Martha for that striker spot and even potentially Jess. Yeah, I mean, and, and along that same line, uh, Roz is um, a great backup player for many reasons, but that game just proved our reactions to her not scoring that goal demonstrate that we we don't have great expectations for her. So if we can get, or maybe Ellie stays and Ros goes, it depends, I guess, on where Robert thinks the legs are. I actually think, yeah, I think there's a few players. So I forgot that loans existed when I was originally thinking about this. And I was about to be like, who is going to pay us for some of these people who are like still under contract? And like, there's plenty of teams who might want them who like just can't afford to break our, a contract. Not that they're like totally undesirable, just like, you know, like West Ham and Everton, like, aren't aren't they just kind of like forsaken by their management in terms of like having funds to do transfers. But I do think a lot of them are like becoming free in the summer. And that like kind of opens up the possibility for a, a half a season loan. Yeah, so I could see players like Roz, Ellie, both leave. I think like, I was thinking like West Ham could definitely use some of our players. And like, given there's a prior relationship with the manager, 
like if they're willing to take people on loan or like we are willing to loan within the league. It's interesting though. I'm not sure. I feel like Leicester and Brighton have been like recruiting more from outside the league. And I suppose we could see people depart to teams outside the WSL, but like in terms of like staying local and staying around London, like I don't know which of our players like would want that as an opportunity. So yeah, it could go anywhere in summary. Yeah, I can't really add much to those. I think those are the main names that seem vulnerable to uh, exiting this winter. But the thought of Ismita Ale going to West Ham makes me really sad. I just have to say that. I was more thinking like, well, Ellie Brazil's girlfriend plays at West Ham. So I was more thinking like her or like Roz, who might want to stay local. But I suppose I mean, any of these players could go anywhere. Ismita is young and I see her as like willing to maybe like take on a new challenge somewhere else. So for her, I wouldn't like, I don't know. She like, she could go anywhere. Yeah. I wondered if she might want to go back to Aston Villa, given that they've got defensive problems and she was there and the fans loved her when she was there. So that is an option, but I, I don't know. I, I think she's quite likely to go out at the moment. I think probably also, like you say, Gracie Pierce, and I'm curious about Roz, Ellie. I would have said perhaps one of the centre-backs, but with Luana not feeling, not seeming like she is necessarily going to stay fit, would Robert want to go down to just having Amy or Shalina? You know, and Shalina's only got half a year left of her contract. Roz has actually got a year and a half, I think. So she's the one with the longest contract out of all of those, but... We'll see. Okay, uh, just to finish us off, I've got a few quick response questions. So that means quick responses from you, as few words as possible. Just give me an answer. I want you to tell me who was your player of the game on Saturday? Molly Bartrip. Celine. Angarad James. Well, I'll go for Barra just to have the variety. Okay, player of the season so far? Martha Thomas. Also Martha Thomas. Mix it up a bit. Has James? Ooh, spicy! I think that's recency bias. <laughs> ah, it's hard not to say Martha Thomas, isn't it? A few games ago, maybe someone else, but yeah. Okay, most improved. I know you said clean answer, but I was torn between Celine and Jess for this one. I think I'm going Celine for this one. Jess for me. Evelina. Jess was close, but yeah. Best signing. Martha. 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 Olga's so close. I don't know. Um, I almost said Olga. out, isn't it? It's like once players are not there, it's harder to choose them. Favourite game so far this year? Uh, the North London Derby. When did you write these questions? <laughs> Might have another one. I don't know. <laughs> I'm giving you options. Not everybody hates Arsenal as much as I do. No, I think the North London Derby is the easy choice here. <laughs> okay, marks out of 10 for Robert. Seven. Seven feels good to me too. Eight out of ten. I'm on an eight too. Okay, so now you have the mid-season adjustment on where you predict we are going to finish this season. And I think I haven't actually gone and rechecked, but I think at the start of the season, most of us were like saying about seven. I said six actually in our predictions episode. And I'm I'm still going to be the optimistic one. I'm going to say fifth. Do we want to finish fifth? So I'm going to say six. I'll say sixth as well. I think I said eighth or ninth at the beginning. I was like not feeling good. I'll bump that up a little. I think I said seventh with some, you know, wishy-washiness either way. But I'm going to join Caroline in team optimism and say fifth. And finally, the most critical question. And you're allowed to give an explanation for why on this one. What kind of ball are we playing? We're not playing Ange ball. Got that absolutely straight. But are we playing Bob ball, Rob ball, Wilhelm man ball, RV ball, some other kind of ball ball? I don't know. Give me one. I, I was going to submit a new option of Villa ball. Although, wait, no, now that I say it out loud, Aston Villa, that won't work. Okay, just kidding. I, ugh. <laughs> I don't like any of the options yeah. is the problem. I'm just going to say we play the Tottenham way and leave it at that. Dustin said Bob Ball like early on after we signed him along with the nickname Bob Goddamn and I can't unsee it now so it's just Bob Ball to me and that is what it is. I mean I don't really care what we call it (laughs) it's football and it's going pretty well at the moment so uh, I think all of these little names are fun for those that enjoy them but they're not my cup of tea. Okay well 
I hate Bob Ball and I hate Rob Ball because it sounds like so generic. Like how many Robs and Bobs are there? And I don't know. So I just don't like That's them. why it's funny though. That's like the whole reason it's funny. Because it's Bob could be any guy, you know? <laughs> yeah, okay. I get it. But like for the niche thing, I, like I get the humor of it. But then are we going to actually like use that widely? I think the solution here is to run a listener poll. So we will do that when we post the episode. Okay. Well, I like RV ball because I just feel like it comes off the tongue decently and it doesn't sound like anyone else. But at the same time, I know in America, an RV has a specific meaning that it does not have in the UK and nobody in the UK will know what that is. So I'll let you Google that if you're in the UK and American audience, eh, you can have your own meaning. And it's not like an RV is anything bad just before the UK listeners get concerned. It's no, just, it's, it's literally a goofy just a connection. Car. <laughs> yeah, it's just goofy to be connected to football. Yeah, it just has, yeah, in the UK, it has absolutely zero meaning. No one calls it that. So it's fine. Anyway, I think we are clearly at the end of saying anything sensible. We will carry on being happy and grinning and enjoying our victory over Arsenal for the next four weeks. We will be back to you with a podcast before then, however, probably. Uh, we haven't got entirely definite certain plans, so it may not be until after Christmas and the New Year, in which case, have a wonderful holiday, however you celebrate it. And in the meanwhile, find us on Twitter or we, we're not really on any other social media. So find us on Twitter or X, whatever it's called. And come on, you Spurs. Mm-hmm.